From WXXI News, this is Connections. I'm Evan Dawson. Our connection this hour was made last month in Turkey when an earthquake devastated that country. According to estimates from the UN Development Program, the earthquakes in Turkey and Syria generated more debris than other natural disasters in recent memory. Thousands of dead, others displaced. For the millions of refugees living in Turkey, the earthquake was the latest in a series of tragedies. Some refugees are escaping war, violence, and other conflicts, and they told the Associated Press they were too shocked to comprehend the latest tragedy. Among them are Afghan refugees who served the U.S. military and are facing death threats from the Taliban. Refugees hoping to come to the United States on SIVs, special immigrant visas. They have to navigate red tape. But for those living in Turkey, the process has become even more backlogged due to that recent earthquake. This hour, we talk with representatives from Keeping Our Promise, which assists refugees in the SIV program. And they share the latest on their efforts. Their executive director is Ellen Smith, who's back with us. Ellen, welcome back to the program. Hi, Evan. Thank you for having us. Let me welcome two guests in studio with us. Welcome to Mayar, who is an IT specialist who has been in the Rochester area now since late November. Mayar, welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Hi. And Rustine is with us, who has been here in Rochester just since early January. Rustine, thank you for being with us. Hello. Thank you. And um, just mentioning, uh, for listeners, we're, we're using one name only, just as, a, I, I think, a pragmatic way of honoring uh, the, the, the situations our guests are in, and we want to make sure that we honor and protect their safety. Um, let me also welcome on the phone, uh, Fahim is with us, uh, a gentleman that we've talked to, an Afghan refugee who served the U.S. government, is now living in Turkey, and we talked to Fahim last year, and now we get a chance to get an update on the situation. Fahim Asfe joining us. Hi, Fahim, how are you? Hi, sir. I'm going to say hi to all of you guys inside the studio and for your listeners. We are very good, but the situation is very bad in Turkey right now. About the earthquakes and everything, they have a lot of problems right now in Turkey. Well, uh, we appreciate you being here, Fahim, and in a moment we'll we'll get a full update on what you're experiencing there. Let me also welcome a gentleman named Jerry Orange, advocating um, and assisting for Fahim in the SIV application process. Jerry, welcome. How are you? Doing well, thank you for having me. And where are you joining us from, Jerry? I'm joining you from Texas. All right. Uh, so, Ellen Smith, you've got people working with you all over the place. How do you know Jerry? <laughs> uh, I know Jerry from Fahim's case. We just needed to get some updated letters of support for Fahim, and Jerry was one of the people that had written an original letter to help Fahim get a special immigrant visa. So I connected with Jerry, and he very graciously you know, updated the paperwork that needed to be updated for Fahim. Um, and we're going to get Jerry and Fahim's story in a moment, but why don't you update us on, on what um, Keeping Our Promise is doing. Um, I know in the last couple of years, it has been um, a remarkable stress since uh, the Taliban retook power in Afghanistan, uh, the desperate need to help SIVs. What's the latest happening here, Ellen? Yeah, so um, when when Kabul fell, we had 2,331 people on an evacuation list who all had some tie and connection to Rochester. Obviously, we were not going to help 2,331 people get out. Um, the year of the evacuation, during the evacuation, we um, we helped to resettle 76 families. And um, last year, we did 59 families, totaling 206 individuals. This year, we have helped so far 16 families just in 
the first two months of this year. We budgeted for 30. Obviously, we're going to hit that um, you know, that amount. And I certainly don't want to turn any family down that we can help. So hopefully we've got a fundraiser coming up on April 26th, our gala at the Memorial Art Gallery, and we can raise the funds to bring more than 30 families uh, here to Rochester and help them out. The funds that you need for families entails what? What, what is it spent on? Uh, the money is spent on a family's first month's rent and security deposit because we try to get those, you know, pretty decent places for them to live, safe places. Um, and we get those units before they get here. So we've got to shell out that money and then their first food and a phone for them. Uh, eventually, we help them get their driver's license and a modest vehicle so they can get to work. So if you're interested in the event that's coming up, it's in uh, it's next month at the MAG. What's the date again? April 26th. Um, and more information on the website for Keeping Our Promise, which is where? Keepingourpromise.org. I know they would love to see you there. It's an opportunity to learn more about what Ellen and the remarkable team do um, and uh, a chance to support the organization if you so choose. Now, um, Ellen... Briefly, when you heard about the earthquakes in Turkey and Syria, what comes to mind first for you? Well, the first thing that came to mind was Fahim. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because I I didn't know exactly where he was, and I pulled out a map, and I messaged him, and he said something like, very calmly, yes, dear, we were in the earthquake. <laughs> I, he was so, uh, like, calm and not calm about it. I think maybe stunned he can talk about that. But... Um, the next thing was just, well, how could I help? I mean, everything, you saw the roads, like people couldn't even get into the region where he was. And um, so I made a connection with some folks down in D.C. I found out that Team Rubicon, which is our veterans, they were going to go into that area, but it was going to be like a week to 10 days. And my connection with Team Rubicon said that they would try to find Fahim and make sure that he had shelter and food. But really, I mean, Fahim needed to get out of there. And so um, he was able to make his way up to Ankara. He had to turn his passports over to the U.S. Embassy. Hopefully he should be on his way here soon. And then, um, you know, I just reached out to help him personally by by covering a hotel room for him and his family while they wait. And Ellen, I th sometimes... Uh presume that our listening audience knows exactly what you do and what SIVs, uh, what that means, because we've had a number of conversations and the need is so high. But I think it's worth reminding people, when we talk SIV, Special Immigrant Visa, we're talking about, um, well, the people that you're trying to help are people who did what, when, and right. why are you so trying to help the them? SIV is Special Immigrant Visa, and these are the visas for those who worked for the U.S. military or a military contractor. Um, and supported the U.S. during the 20-year war in Afghanistan. And those are the folks that we help resettle here in Rochester. And they are often targeted directly by the they Taliban. They are targeted directly as Fahim was, yes. Okay. And so um, there's a lot of understandable desperation for uh, the SIVs, the people who served, and also their family um, to, to get out, as Fahim has done. And now the question is um, how to get across to, to Rochester or other locations. Jerry, how did you get in touch first with Fahim? Uh, through Facebook, uh, after coming back home from Afghanistan. Sahin worked in the PX at Kabul and the coalition headquarters, and we knew each other from there. I was a contractor, and uh, Sahin was just, he was always friendly, always very helpful, and uh, that's where I know him from. And so I think... You know, we're 
we're going through a, a time, I think, in this country where Americans are debating both at policy at government levels, citizens, about what is our responsibility to help? And we've talked about that with Ellen on this program, Jerry, before. Um, you know, there's obviously a lot of focus on Ukraine. There, In 2021, there was a lot of focus on Afghanistan. Um, and our focus tends to drift. But what would you say, Jerry, to, you know, Americans, whether they're policymakers, lawmakers, or just average citizens who say, well, don't we have enough problems here? Why are we spending money? Why are we helping people um, come here? We're helping people come here because they earned it. Uh, Fahim and others like him, I know I've known hundreds who put their life on the line for our mission that we did in their country. They put their trust and faith in us. And when we pulled out, we let them down. We owe them the opportunity to become American citizens. Most of us in this country were born citizens and it's a birthright, but they earned it. Hmm. I've seen the bullet holes in the trucks. I've seen the scars on the foreheads of attempted kidnap victims. I know people that I won't go into right now that they're still under threat in Afghanistan and moving from house to house in hiding, waiting on this SIV program. And they're friends of mine. So we have an obligation. It is a moral obligation to get them out, bring them here, because if we don't, the Taliban will kill them. It's not, it's not some video game fantasy. It's real. Um, Fahim, I, I want you, if you could, to remind our listening audience how long you've been in Turkey and then tell us what, um, what life has been like since the earthquake. Yes, sir. There's, I'm like uh, four years ago. I'm Turkish. But the earthquake was the uh, start like uh, 4 o'clock in the morning, 4.17, like that. It was uh, just shake our house a little bit. And I just pull out my children and my wife in the street. And after that, it's shaking a lot of the old buildings is scraped down. And it was a very bad situation. The electric is gone. And after that, all the building was blowing down. And we was taking the middle of the street. Did I pull out the old doors and I beat the doors to pull out? It's a hard quick. Three families that I know in front of my house, they was leaving. I pull out them in the street. It was very bad days. It's just like our two bombs explode, you know. It's just people was with a lot of snow was raining. It's raining much. It was too windy. It was a situation very bad that we pulled out ourselves in the street. Three nights we was in the street. We didn't have any house. Nothing was left for us. The whole building was pulled down. And after that, Miss Helen. Thank you so much for your help. Then I was just contacted with Elle, and she said, you need to pull out yourself from there. And she sent me some money that I pulled out myself to Ankara. There was a many, many people was died. Some of my Afghan friends was they worked with me together. And he was, was just called me and said, Ahim, I'm still in life. Please pull out me from there. 
And the Turkish people said, when I will just go over there and I just tell them, please, this guy is in the life. He just called me from down off the concrete. He's in the life. The police, he said, we can do nothing for you. There's a lot of Turkish people left down off the concrete. You need to pull out them. If you can't do it, you can get the drugs, anything. You just go pull out it from there. When just we pull out it, those guys from there, down off the concrete, any two feet was cut. cut and either his sister was died, his mother was died, one his sister was we lost him, and we find him right now, he's in coma, he's in coma. He got a very bad situation, my lovely brother in Turkey right now, either the government not very help us. I don't know what we should do, and either I just dropped off my passport to use him, and they tell me after 20 days, we're going to pull out from there. Believe me, our situation is very bad in Turkey right now. We're talking to Fahim Asfan, and I want to remind listeners um, the uh, the connection there. It's, it is remarkable that we have one. Um, and uh, Fahim has been in Turkey, I think, I think he said, in Ellen, four years, right? I think, um, and Keeping Our Promise has been working with Fahim for the better part of three years Yes, now? yes, That's we right. have. Um, and so Fahim, in the process, Ellen, how far along is he now? Well, I mean, the... <laughs> Fahim was initially rejected for his SIV status, and um, I believe wrongly so. And he had trouble getting an HR letter um, from a company that wasn't, you know, working in Afghanistan anymore. And um, so he reapplied for the S- for his special immigrant visa. And um, last December, he had to get medicals. Jerry very graciously did a GoFundMe because everyone has to pay for their medicals. So here you are, a refugee in this country, and um, but you have to shell out four to $600 per person for a medical and go to a U.S.-registered clinic for that medical. So he did that. Um, he had his interview at the embassy, and then uh, he was told to drop his passports off. And then the next day, um, basically, he was thrown into extreme vetting. Uh, which, honestly, I think they should have done beforehand. But um, they they promised us through Congressman Morelli's office that they would try to get his case wrapped up within 20 days. So he's on uh, he's on day 15 or 16 being there now. So hopefully we should have an answer soon. It is, is it plausible that he ends up on a plane within a week? A well, month? I don't so know. The, the problem is we get people here using um, a partner organization called Miles for Migrants, and they're backed up. I, I'm trying to get a family out of Pakistan, and I was told that the soonest we could probably get them out is mid-April. Just everything is so backed up. I don't know how I'm going to get this family out of Turkey. I mean, I'll certainly file for tickets for them, but I, I just... Right now, I don't know. I, you know, sometimes we have to take things one day at a time. Okay. Um, and Fahim, have you thought about? Oh, we lost Fahim. Okay, so we'll see if we can reconnect again. I just want to let listeners know he's joining us from Turkey. Has been through, as you heard his story, a tremendous amount in recent days since the earthquake. But, but really, going back four years now in the process of trying to get this SIV secured and to get to the United States. If that happens, he's coming here, Ellen? Yes, to Rochester, Come and I can't Rochester. wait. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. I've, I've talked to Ellen, and, and we're going to talk more in our second half hour to Mayar and Rustine, and we've met so many um, truly inspiring people. This is not, um, you know, sort of false praise or, I mean, we meet people 
who have gone through more just getting out of Afghanistan than you can imagine. It's really, really remarkable. And so, Ellen, there's no, there's no favorites in your world. You help a lot of people. Fahim is just a person who it's taken so long, and I wonder if you've thought about what it will be like when he's finally here. Um, you know, he's going to get the same lecture from me everyone gets. We, we start out really happy and that we know everyone's safe, and then you wonder how you're going to get your driver's license, how you're going to get a car, how you're going to get a job. And, you know, everyone goes kind of on this reverse bell curve, no matter how eager you are to get here or knowing that you're safe. And, you know, um, and families have experienced trauma that you think you're going to easily forget, but you don't. And um, PTSD is real, but maybe not in in our Afghan friends' vocabulary. <laughs> um, so, so a lot of it when a family first comes here is also just educating them into sleepless nights are normal. Remembering what you've seen is normal, even though you're safe. Um, noises may make you jump. That's normal, even though you're safe. So... So he'll get that same lecture. He'll get that same lecture. And you'll be excited to give it, I know. But I, I can't wait to give him a hug at the airport, that's for sure. And we've got Fahim back on the line with us. Fahim, have you thought about what it will be like when you finally get to Rochester? Oh, it'll be getting great, sir. It'll be getting great so I can get registered, pull up myself from the Turkish, because the Turkish, it's very hard to live in right now in Ankara, either the... Afghan people, they just sent all Afghan people back to Afghanistan. Oof. They don't let any Afghan people in Turkish right now because they stumbled. The Afghan embassy, it was just returned to the Taliban three days before. There's uh, right now they, a lot of Afghan people is not living in Ankara because I just lived there in one hotel that I know before. I was just get three, two times in there. The police, when they check your registration and your IDs and after that if you got IDs good if not they're gonna send you to the camp and after two months they will be just deport you back to the Afghanistan hmm. um, yes. so I would be very happy to give you miss Ellen a big hug for the whole of help that she did to me <laughs> and either uh, mr. Jerry sir <laughs> I know that they're looking forward to to being able to to see you in person and I know it probably still feels like a long road to go. Fahim, are you concerned that um, something could still happen that will prevent you from getting here? Exactly. I don't know, sir. Right now, we're just waiting for the youth embassy. Yeah. I, exactly. I just want to say like, nothing, nothing is certain until those visas are in hand. Yeah. I, that's just the truth. Yes. Yeah. There have been too many times, Ellen, over the years where... Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jerry, before we let you go, I know your time is short with us here. Fahim is, uh, as you've said, one of many people who, in your words, has earned this. And one thing that I've observed, Jerry, in talking to Ellen over the years is I don't even know Ellen's politics. Ellen is someone who's been pretty critical of administrations, no matter who the president is. If uh, if she perceives that they are not fulfilling or keeping our promise, frankly, to borrow a phrase and, and fulfilling our obligation, um, I am curious to know if you think that um, that we are anywhere close to fulfilling our obligation and what it would take to get there, Jerry. 
I think as a country, we're a long ways from fulfilling our promise, uh, fulfilling our obligation. Um, I'm going to um, refrain from expect from expressing a lot of political views right now. But uh, yeah, we're a long ways from it. Uh, we shouldn't have pulled out. Um, the young people of Afghanistan had hope. Now they have none. Um, we we owe it to them to make sure they don't get killed. It's it's that simple. It is that black and white. Because the Taliban will kill them if they get deported back to Afghanistan. So, um, I think we should all contact our congressmen and senators, all of our representatives, and let them know that we have a moral obligation to take care of these people who risk their lives on our mission, and then we kick their feet right out from underneath them when we pulled out like we did. That's Jerry Orange. Jerry is an advocate who is assisting with Fahim's SIV application process, joining us from Texas and talking about his experience in getting to meet Fahim and why he is advocating this way. Jerry, we're going to let you go, but I am greatly uh, appreciative of your time. Thanks for sharing it with the program today. Jerry, I just want to thank you, too. I mean, you really have saved Fahim's life. And I want to say, Jerry, and I'm going to say, Jerry, thank you so much for all of your help. You You're just welcome, helped me too much. I'm never going to forget you. I really, really appreciate you. I really love you, brother. Love you too, man. I, I wish I to see you again, and I give you a big hug. <laughs> Thank you, Jerry. You're welcome. That's Jerry Orange uh, joining us. And, um, you know, one just one of the, the American faces who have been in touch with organizations like Keeping Our Promise and doing this kind of advocacy, but you see how difficult it is and how long the road has been. And, you know, you know Jerry, um, he said that he wanted to hold back from making political statements. And um, as I said, Ellen, I, I don't even know your personal politics. I know that you are critical when you think our government is not fulfilling its obligation. That's, that's the baseline for you and the work that you're doing. And it's interesting. Jerry says, you know, we shouldn't have pulled out. Uh, both this president and the previous president had intention to do exactly that. There was some, uh, uh, quite a lot of alignment there. Um, and I maybe we'd be in exact same position no matter what the last election did. But how is your evaluation of the current federal government um, and, and how they're handling the situation? Well, you know, the bottom line is we, we still are able to get people out of Afghanistan, about 400 a week. And, and it's, it's literally one-to-one. -one. We can get 400 out if you can find 400 slots for them to live in in the United States. And the other problem is there's just not enough help or money um, to, to do the kind of resettlement we need to do to help our Afghan allies. You know, we certainly, you know, like I said, I mean, I... We had to cut our budget and budgeted for 30 families. Last year it was 50 families. Because of the Gannett Foundation, we were able to bring in an additional nine families. Um, you know, it's for, I know for us locally, it's nothing a million dollars wouldn't solve, right? 
um, I just want to take in as many families as I can because I understand that ratio. Like we can get them out, but we have to have a place to put them. And if you don't have a place to put them, you're not going to get them out. And and it's just it's that simple. Um, we also don't have other countries for them to go to. I mean, right now the families go to Qatar. Um, they're told don't go the uh, the the smugglers route to get out of Afghanistan, even though you think your life is in danger. And but yet they can't get into Pakistan, and Pakistan doesn't want all these refugees. Um, I, so you know, in that way, it's it, the system isn't working. Um, but I have to focus on what we can do. And, and I just, you know, that's it. I have to focus on what we can do. And what we, what we can do is we've committed to 30 families. I want to bring that back up. We've already resettled 16 families um, this year. And I've got uh, how many? 27 families on our waiting list, totaling 136 people. Are there other cities like Rochester that have their own Keeping Our Promises, doing what you're doing? No. I, I mean, there's, you know, other cities have their Catholic family services and their world reliefs. But, you know, our thing is to partner with these organizations, and they are they are involved with the family for 90 days. We're involved with the family before they get here and when they get here, and then they stay part of our community. I mean, there's no 90-day cutoff for us. They are, they're kind of with us forever. So, and that's the whole thing, is to be part of the Rochester community. That's part of keeping our promise. Well, it's interesting you say that when we're, we're going to, I'm going to optimistically say when Fahim is here, um, you know, you're going to give him the same lecture you give everybody, which yes. is, you know, um, understand that this is going to be hard, that we, to make this work long term, uh, there has to be... Uh, a job, transportation, secure housing. What does the record look like now that you've got some years under your belt? How are people doing? Are they holding um, sort of down yeah, jobs, I mean, transportation? So, uh, you know, it's, um, I would, I, something like March 9th is my ninth anniversary wow. <laughs> of helping um, SIVs. And I think that we have a really good record. We have so many SIVs that are now homeowners in in the Rochester region. And what they say time and time again is that our Wheels for Work program changed their life, that that car was what opened the doors for them. And even like during when COVID hit, it was our guys who were using their cars for DoorDash and Grubhub and making deliveries to people. They continued to work and support our community while supporting themselves and their family. So I think that our families do incredibly well. The families that have some problems are those where English, uh, they don't have the English skills. So they might have been working at the embassy as house cleaners, housekeepers, um, janitorial staff. And, um, you know, I would like them to, to be in English classes longer than they are because I think that, you know, they're coming out and earning 14 and $15 an hour, maybe $16 an hour. It's just not enough to support a family. Um, but, but all in all, I'd say that our families are doing really well here in Rochester. Okay. Well, um, before we continue with the stories, um, we're going to talk to Mayar, Rastin, um, Fahim is on the line with us from Turkey. Let me just get a little bit of feedback. First, Barbara in Rochester, uh, called in to say, 
She's part of a caring circle, says, I love my Afghan family. They've come so far in the year that we've known them. Being involved with them and keeping our promise is one of the most rewarding experiences I have ever had. KOP moves mountains and changes lives. That is from Barbara in Rochester. And I know Ellen and the team appreciate that, Barbara. Um, let me also get Rich in Rochester on the phone. Hi, Rich. Go ahead. Hey, how you doing, Alex? Good, sir. This, you know, it's, it's frustrating. This story is the story of so many immigrants, so many, and in this case, sort of brown people and black people, the promises made using them, then discarding them. We do it with Mexicans. We do it with people from South America. Now we're doing it with people in these war zones. But what, what, what always just amazes me is that people don't see is when these people get here, they flourish. I have, I know many different immigrants from different countries, and I'm always just totally stunned by their drive. And I don't understand why a government doesn't see that, does not see what they add to this country. It, it's one of my most frustrating things to watch consistently. Mm. It's crazy to me. Rich, I appreciate that. Ellen, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I frequently, not frequently anymore, but, you know, when I started this nine years ago and people would say, well, why don't they stay in their own country? Why are we bringing them here? And, you know, the fact is, Rochester, we do have problems here. We have extreme poverty, you know, and people have said, well, why aren't you helping those in extreme poverty in Rochester? And, you know, I I have to be honest that I didn't realize the extent of poverty in Rochester and still, until I started doing this work. Um, you know, I was a reporter before that, and I was always reporting sort of everywhere else in the country but here. Um, but again, our families are doing incredibly well um, here in Rochester. It's a very giving city, and there's a, there's a lot of opportunity, and I think our families see that. Let me ask um, Mayar first for some background on your own story. If you're just joining us, Mayar, um, has been in the Rochester area since, I've got November 30th as the date there. So yes. December, January, February, just crossing three months, Mayar. Um, first of all, how are you doing? Uh, again, thank you very much for inviting me to your radio show. I'm happy here. I'm doing good and my family as well, uh, especially my 10 years daughter. She's enjoying his, her school, and we just uh, moved here on, as you say, on 13 November. Uh, I, I'm about to getting my driving license, and uh, we're doing good. Um, can you describe some of the work you did in Afghanistan? Sure, I have been uh, IT in IT field for from like 19 years um, I have been with uh, work with US military and NATO forces as well we provide him internet and other IT services um, yeah okay and your process of trying to find safety well let me actually go back to because we've got some distance now and some time it was August 2021 that Kabul fell, I think. Right, Ellen? That's yes. Right. Yeah, to, to the Taliban. So a year and a half now. Um, can you describe, Mayar, what 
that was like for you and um, what maybe what you decided you had to do? I mean, I don't know if you tried to stay for any length of time or what, or, or if you were already out. I don't, I don't know your timeline. Can you tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about that? Sure. Uh, first, I need to tell you that I have applied for my special immigration visa on 2015. 2015? Yeah. And uh, I got my COM approval, everything, uh, uh, like all the paperwork done. And uh, on 2016, I have been in, passed my interview, my first interview in 2018 in Kabul, U.S. Embassy. Unfortunately, after that, the situation was changed and the rule was changed. And I have been waiting for my visa for a long time and then COVID came and it destroyed everything all over the world. And then the, the Taliban came on 2021. So unfortunately, it was really terrible for me uh, to get my visa. And um, whenever the Taliban came, we just received like uh, a paper, like pass to the airport. Uh, I will live in uh, a city which is far away from Kabul, and I get to Kabul on August with my family of five. Uh, I tried to enter to the airport, but unfortunately the situation was very bad, and we are not able to do so because I have small kids, and it was really hard to enter to the airport. Uh, so after that, I have I have been living many cities for hiding myself from the Taliban. I leave everything. I had my own company in uh, my city where I live. Uh, I just leave everything, my home, my friends, my family. My parents are still in Afghanistan. And uh, then I, I choose to try to go to Pakistan. And I did it on July 2022. I transferred my kids to Pakistan, and then on uh, October 20, I got my visa, fortunately, and then I wait for, I just applied for IM like everybody, every SIV do. I applied for uh, my ticket, flight tickets to the U.S. Unfortunately, uh, the IM is also very uh I can say they, they are not providing ticket very soon. So if your visa get expired or even your third country like Pakistan visa get expired, they will not care about that. So my visa was expired in Pakistan and the situation in Pakistan was worse than in Afghanistan. Um, during these four months we were in Pakistan, we were ticked two times by Pakistan police uh, without any reason, we they they took us to the police station and they 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 just asking for bribe at, uh, at the truth, and uh, then I fortunately I I was in contact with keeping our promise, especially Ellen and other uh, people from U.S. They are so honest and they are so kind. They they do whatever they can and. They make it happen. They applied for me for their partner, my for migrant, and they 
they arranged my ticket and I was able to uh, leave the Pakistan on 28th November and reach on um, 13th here in the U.S. And I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you're living in a local suburb, I understand. Yeah, I, I live in, um, in here in uh, Honeyway Falls. Honeyway Falls. Yeah. How do you like Honeyway Falls? It's such a great and amazing place, but we had some problem in transportation. As you know, we don't have public transportation in Honeyway Falls, and we definitely need a car to go to work and go to grocery for shopping. And, uh, you know, before the Catholic family paying something like uh, called welcome money to SIVs, but their policy has changed and now they are not going to give this money to any SIVs. Um, and instead they are spending for them whatever, whatever they want, yeah. Uh, but not everything. So we really need a car for work, which uh, keeping our promise, have a program. Um, they are giving a car for work. And uh, I'm in process of finishing my volunteer work of 100 hours. Whenever it's finished, keeping our promise will give us a grant for car, and we will have... A couple of things here. What's yeah. the what's the car program? Uh, we call it Wheels for Work, and our SIVs. Everyone has to do a hundred hours of community service back to the community, um, and they uh, get a four thousand dollar car grant, so they can use that as a down payment, um, pay their car insurance, their registration, and get a vehicle. Do I, listeners might be wondering? Uh, you know, I could probably use a new car soon. Do, we, the, do people we, donate? Yes, we accept car donations as well. So you can you can donate uh, your used vehicle to us, and um, if it needs some minor repairs, which I consider like a thousand dollars or under, we'll we'll do that and get that car uh, to a to a family. Yes. Okay. Um, and so that's um, that's my our story. But you know, you worked in in Afghanistan. You had your own you had your own company. Yeah, I had my own IT company. I have been, uh, I founded company on 2014 after my uh, job with the uh, U.S. military was finished. So, yeah, we still provide internet to some of the contractors with U.S. military and NATOs. Here's someone who's probably overqualified for a lot of jobs, yes. but I do wonder, um, are, I don't know if you're working now or if you have ideas on where you'd like to work, Maya? Um, I like to work with the, uh, an IT field here. I have applied for a couple of jobs, and I have interviewed for a couple of. One of the examples is WXXI, but unfortunately, <laughs> I don't know uh, somebody else take that job for IT manager. But I hope I will get a job very soon somewhere else. Well, Mayar, I, I like to think that you will. Again, I, I think you're probably overqualified for a lot of jobs. But I'm glad to know that so far, things are going okay for you. Thank you very much. Um, I, I want to turn to Rustine for Rustine's story. Rustine was um, an interpreter and has been in, in our area since only January 2nd. So, Rustine, can you tell a little bit about your own story in Afghanistan, the service that you did and the process that it took for you to come here? 
Hello to everybody. Uh, uh, I was working as an interpreter actually for five years uh, with Portuguese army in Afghanistan. And after that, I have started to work with uh, U.S. retired specialist armies uh, that they were uh, just uh, teaching the Afghan special units, units in Afghanistan uh, for almost uh, four years. And uh, 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 when the Taliban uh, uh, came to Afghanistan, when the Taliban came to Afghanistan, uh, uh, Everybody was uh, very scary, and uh, I also. Uh, uh, so uh, we have passed about uh, four days and nights around the Kabul International Airport uh, to enter inside, um, inside the Kabul Airport. And in these four days and four nights, uh, we face a lot of problem with kids. I am father of four kids. In that time, my baby was only five months, and we were just uh, walking around. And fortunately, I received a message uh, from one of the Portuguese colonel that I was working with them, and he told me that uh, they have sent some soldiers uh, to evacuate us to Portugal. Uh, so finally, uh, uh, from that small river, uh, which is for the security of uh, Kabul airline. Uh, there was a little bit water, and more than hundred people were inside the water. And I was with my kids inside that water, and uh, uh, finally we took inside the airport, and I lost my five months baby uh, for two hours in some of the airport hospital. And finally I found him, and after that uh, we came to Dubai, and from Dubai to Paris. Paris to Portugal. Uh, when I arrived there, I had my SIV. I applied in uh, 2000, uh, 2020. And when I arrived there, uh, then I I start to work my uh, on my case, on my case, and I passed my uh, my interview in Paris, uh, U.S. Embassy, and after that, I did my medical, my medical, and I got my visa. When I got my visa, I was, uh, I was just, uh, actually, I was very depressed, and I was looking that how can I get my my tickets. Uh, so in that time, uh, fortunately, one of my friend, which is, which uh, that his name is Mirwais, uh, he gave me uh, the number of the the email address of Ellen, uh, that. Uh, Everybody know her. Uh, so uh, I contact with her, and uh, she was, she is. She's a very kind woman, and she encouraged me, and she promised me that uh, she's going to help us. And uh, finally, she made my tickets, and I moved from Portugal to uh, Rochester. And uh, I see warm welcome from her and uh, from her teammate, and um, I'm also living in Rochester, Ohio Falls. When I entered inside my apartment, I didn't need anything, you know. The smallest things that a person needs in his life, we had this inside our apartment. So I want to say thank you, Ellen, and I appreciate it. And also, uh, 
she has uh, she has organized like a like a volunteer team that uh, uh, that they are also coming as asking and especially they are helping us for our transportation when we need some grocery or something and uh, when we have our appointments uh, with the refugee hospital with the tb uh, with the uh, with the dh dhc uh, so they have their uh, uh, their volunteer team that uh, the keeping our promise they have their volunteer team you're helping us a lot and i'm so happy to be here in rochester uh what do you think of your own future and whether it's work or what you'd like to do here yeah uh, uh, now uh, first of all i want to i want to uh, say thanks from my god that i'm here safe with my family with my kids and i'm sure that uh, when i finished my uh, my appointments with medical and all these things and uh, when i got my my license and uh, as soon as possible i will i will looking for some job and i as a as a refugee i have to start from a point that to catch my dream job so i will start to work now my kids are going my three kids they are going to school they love their school they are enjoying that they are improving their english my wife also goes to some some english course which has uh, uh, which has uh, provided by a church in onio falls and yeah your kids are doing okay Yeah, yeah, they're very fine. My are your kids are doing okay? They're doing well. And are their classmates, are their American classmates welcoming to them? Yeah, sure. My daughter always talking about her American classmate that how they count are and how they help her to learn English on everything. Yeah. Yeah, mine is too. Uh, my kids, uh, they are very happy from their fear from the management of the Onio Falls school from the teacher up to principal and also from uh, from their classmates they are very helpful and they are very good people resting what is your dr- dream job in the future okay i think now it's hard to say but but i want to work in uh in some organization and help the refugees. Yep. Well, these are two people Ellen who they sing your praises, but what they're also indicating is they just needed a chance, a chance to get here and to get started. Very impressive. I mean, uh, again, I I don't want to sound trite, but every one of these stories is so inspiring. I know Fahim is going to be the next one. We hope so. Um but um do you sense that this community appreciates KOP keeping our promise? Uh, have you built relationships or is there sort of a um that habit that Americans have sometimes which is we focus on something and then we're off to something else? Yeah, I mean we we see this come and go. Um when there was the uh, Muslim ban in 2017, we were inundated with volunteers um who were just angry uh, on how we were 
discounting an entire group of people. Um, <clears throat> and then the, the numbers went down and the numbers went back up. And um, when Russia invaded Ukraine, you know, people turned their attention, um, rightly so, to the Ukrainians. I mean, that's front and center on our news screens every night. People don't understand, I think, what's still happening in Afghanistan or that three million girls can't go to school and um, you know, what's what's going on there. Um, but we we can always uh, use volunteers um, for these caring circles, which is what these two gentlemen are talking about when they talk about volunteers who are taking them places. We need um, people who are willing to go through background checks and, you know, become drivers to get them to their appointments until they um, have vehicles. And it, it's hard when you're living in a place like Honeyway Falls, but yet it's such a wonderful, uh, welcoming community. And we've been asked to please put families um, in these various places. I met with Newark Rotary about a year and a half ago, and they would love to see our families out in Newark. But, you know, it's a different county. Um, there, you know, families have to go to the refugee health care center for when they first arrive. So there's just kind of these logistic problems. And what we try to do is group group families. So if I can get a nice big group in Honeyway Falls, and then they can help to support each other. And so that's my focus right now is on certain parts of the city and Honeyway Falls. So they'll have mutual support with each other as well. Fahim, I only have about one minute left. Let me just ask you, have you thought about what your future looks like here, if you've thought about work or anything else when you're in Rochester? Yes, sir. I don't know what I want to try to say about this. Right now, when I get to register, I need to make my children's life to get better from this situation. You know, I have a five-children, my oldest son, 10 years old. And the youngest four years old. Nothing about them. The kids to go to good school, learn the good stuff. The the great brother. Let me just jump in for him, just because we're finally starting to lose that connection. But um, so we're we're kind of flickering in and out. But I I will close by saying this, Fahim. It's been an honor to talk to you, and I I certainly hope the next time is a, a handshake in person. Um, and I know that you've expressed how how your family has been working so hard, and could be just weeks away. Could be. Um, but as Ellen Smith has said, you don't know until those visas are in hand, in hand, and on the plane, and yeah. you know, standing on. In Rochester soil. So um, so this hour, you've heard the story of Fahim Asve, who is in Turkey now, survived that earthquake, and um, is trying to finish out that process, that special immigrant visa process, and come not only to the United States, come here to the Rochester community. You've met Mayar and Rastin, and gentlemen, thank you. It's an honor talking to you. Thank you. Thank, thank you very much for being with us. Good luck to you. Uh, our thanks to Jerry Orange, who was with us earlier this hour, advocating for Fahim. And, uh, of course, Ellen Smith, Executive Director of Keeping Our Promise, who's going to tell you real quick what's happening next month. April 26th, our gala to raise money to bring in more families to Rochester. Tickets are on sale today. It's at the Memorial Art Gallery, and I hope to see everyone there. April 26th, important event for them. Ellen, thank you for what you're doing. Thanks thank for you. being here. Uh, more connections coming up in just a moment.